Laura, wild cars, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing fantastic. Um, this was a f- race that was on at Saturday night, and it freaked me out, and also qualifying <laughs> was on before it. What's going on? Uh, yeah, weird one for sure. Uh, not a weird one, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not bad. This race, I decided the uh, the smart play was to watch it off F1 TV later. <laughs> yeah, you on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, especially, get- and and that way the weather couldn't screw with my DVR. Okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the podcast. If you are new here, uh, if you're new to Formula One, that is, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, this year's primer is episode 59, if you want to listen to that. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Uh, every month, we release at least one bonus podcast and video exclusively for our patrons, covering racing documentaries and films, video games, primers for other series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we got going on this week, Danny? Uh, on Friday, seeing as we don't actually have a race this weekend, we're publishing our... Uh, we've moved from documentaries over to uh, documentaries of a different sort. Films. <laughs> Films, Films, Danny. Art. Um, uh, art, yes. So if you're a fan of uh, Robert Duvall, um, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, man, th- I was not surprised. I was very surprised at some of the... Michael Rooker? John C. Riley, All-star cast. Unbelievable. Days of Thunder. Our uh, review of that is going up on Friday. Um, we'll also have some F1 game history this week. I spent six hours connecting my PlayStation 2 off to this PC on Friday. <laughs> it was a nightmare. The videos are coming this week. <laughs> Boy. Uh, well, speaking of Japan, Danny. Yes. Um, and Rob, let's get right into this Japanese Grand Prix. Uh as you mentioned, kind of a weird one because of the typhoon that rolled in. Uh, as we mentioned, there was a chance, and this occurred, of qualifying being canceled and moved to Sunday. So everyone basically had a free Saturday, which was kind of fun because we got to see what how F1 drivers fill their time. Did you guys see uh, Roman Grosjean went to a hobby shop in Japan and bought a model car uh, kit to build of the six-wheeled Formula One car? You're kidding. Yeah. Where was the where was this on YouTube or he posted some pictures on his uh on his Twitter. I can I can link that for sure. But it's like a really you know, it's a Japanese model, so it's really intricate and and really cool. Uh also I think um signs for Stappen and Norris all played FIFA in Max's hotel room because he apparently <laughs> brings a like briefcase of a PlayStation 4 with him. This is such a different generation of F1 drivers. Like, <laughs> like this is not the, you know, gallivanting around town, uh, womanizing world of James Hunt. Neither is it the, you know, self-serious, lone, you know, uh, comp- competitor of Michael Schumacher. This is just a bunch of lads playing FIFA. I yeah. love it. It's like a dorm or something. Yeah, but I'm also so curious, like... What happens when these dudes begin moving into closer comp? You know what I mean? Like, right now, the dynamic's a little easier because, like, Max is probably in the most competitive car of any of them. And he's not racing his homies yes, uh, that often totally. for position. But, like, does the FIFA game start to get weird if, like, <laughs> like, like, what if, uh, what if Charles was part of their crew, 
right? What if prior to this, Charles yeah. was part of their like gaming crew? What is the vibe in that hotel room? That's the thing I'm curious <laughs> about. Like in a couple of years, like when Norris is really starting to push people around on track or something, I am so curious if they're still hanging out and playing FIFA together. Totally. I've, I've been watching some of the Norris and uh, Verstappen iRacing streams, which have been, um, it's, it's really weird. It feels like voyeuristic. It feels like you're, you're, you're like watching your celebrities friends hang out or something it's so mm-hmm. strange but yeah totally it reminds me of like you know danny ricardo and and max got on like a house on fire when they were first on the team they kind of had that same vibe you see with like uh, lando and carlos you know and in during this race we kind of got maybe the first in, instance of maybe some of those folks knocking into each other and how they'd react afterwards so yeah i'm totally with you on that i wonder who's i wonder who's the best at fifa i bet it's i bet it's lando uh also something that happened uh well they also canceled free practice three but as a result uh, again of the typhoon apparently when formula one comes to a racetrack they've got to set up uh all the camera switching gear and they do that in a big tent apparently at least on this racetrack Hmm. uh tents aren't great in typhoons so they had to move all of that stuff like all of their video switching equipment and cabling and everything into two of the garages in the pit lane. Oh, wow. And so what is normally in those garages are like the safety cars and medical cars. So they like parked those in a walkway and switched the race from the pit lane. Uh, And apparently they did that in like uh, some uh, record amount of time because they had to tear it all down and put it back up in a process that you normally takes like three days or something. That's crazy. Um, they talked about it, I think a little bit in the paddock pass on F1's YouTube channel. Um, and uh, there's a streamable.com link from, I think a sky <laughs> thing that I can link in the show notes for as long as that'll stay uh, online. But um, pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, also notable in qualifying, Robert Kubica crashed in Q1, tearing off a wheel, um, which required a chassis change. Mm. And again, the race is three hours from the end of qualifying. So they rebuilt his car uh, in just a little over three hours uh, in time for the race, which was, uh, again, another Herculean effort. Also, for a team that's worried about parts, not great. <laughs> That was the first thing I thought when I saw him in the wall. I was like, didn't they retire you last race to avoid yes. this specific instant? <laughs> exactly. and, but I also wondered, I noticed when they showed the replay, um, they showed the wind speed around yeah. the circuit at the time of the accident. And I do wonder, was there some like wild crosswind uh, that was playing havoc? Because uh, who was it who lost it in Q1 at the same place was magnuson it, was, yeah it was it was magnuson yeah uh, and so i do wonder like was there just a stiff wind uh that was basically stealing the rear downforce from these guys the exact moment they're starting to put power on it was uh, weird though the, the the interview with kibitz after the fact he kind of uh, I, I was waiting for him to say that but he didn't he he said that there was multiple things going on and i you know i'm not really going to get into it but like something that happened with the car before it left the pit. So was that him referring to the front wing thing? I wonder. There was on the radio, like with the car on the, in the wall, he just called it, I think like what a fucking joke or something like that. (laughs) And later he he put his hand up and was like, yeah, I lost the car. Uh, But 
you're right. There was a weird vibe around it. And I think we'll get into why there might have yeah. been a weird vibe. But like, even at the time, it was noticeable that like he seemed disgusted not with himself, but with like everything. The situation, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Reno also had some problems uh, in in um, uh, the technical arena. I think suspension for Ricardo and hydraulics for Hulkenberg. Uh, Ferrari though looked great, and Vettel smashed the previous track record uh, on pole over Charles Leclerc by two tenths. Mm. Uh, also, Alexander Albon qualified with the exact same time to the millisecond yeah. as Max Verstappen. And That's I crazy. think in the rule book, the one who sets the first or sets the time first lines up ahead, which is uh, Verstappen in this case. But yeah, I mean, in a track that Albon has not raced a Formula One car in before uh, qualifying the exact same time as Verstappen. Pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you want to take us through the start, Danny? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a weird one. Yeah, it is. There's a lot going on. I mean, we were we. I feel like we talked and talked and talked about false starts in recent weeks um, in relation to, to Kimi. Oh, you know what? Let me run down the grid first. Oh, yeah, go for uh, it. Sorry about that. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, like I said, on pole. Then we got Charles Leclerc's teammate right behind. Then we got Valtteri Botas edging out Lewis Hamilton for third and fourth. Max Verstappen in fifth. Alexander Albon in sixth. Then we've got Sainz and Norris, the two McLarens in seven and eight. Pierre Gasly in ninth and Roman Grosjean in tenth. Then behind them, Giovinazzi, Stroll, Raikkonen, Kvyat, Hulkenberg, Ricardo, uh, Perez, Russell, and Magnussen. Uh, uh, Kubica starting from the pit lane. Mm. Um... Magnuson penalized five grid places for a gearbox change. Uh, yeah, and that's that's your grid. Cool. Should we get into it? Do it. All right. Uh, lights out. Uh, they were out for a, maybe I'd say a hair longer than we had. Was it last race? I think they were they were out for quite a long while, which is when Kimi had his false start. This time, Vettel had a little bit of a shuffle, and Deresta called it out almost immediately on the commentary. But it took a little while for us to to see what had actually happened. Basically, he f- he did a false start, but only inched forward maybe. I don't know, was it like two or three inches maybe in total? Right before the lights happened. Stopped the car. Then when the lights turned off, he went. Um, of course, in so doing, totally Van Jacks his start, um, which meant that he was getting gobbled up by everyone and also the people behind him were getting gobbled up as well um, as that sort of that concertina um, uh, effect happens. So... Basically, Botas swings around uh, the outside, dives into first place. Um, Vettel gets uh, behind him, and then we're sort of three by three with Hamilton, Leclerc, and Verstappen, who is taking the outside line and has had a good start um, himself. As they're approaching uh, turn one slash, I guess, turn two, because it's that little funny one, um, Verstappen is basically around the outside of uh, Leclerc, uh, Hamilton is tucked in um, and as Leclerc is rounding that turn and he's caught in the uh, the the I guess he's in the toe of Vettel or he's in the the, the backwash of his dirty air um, he loses a bit of downforce and edges out to the right where Verstappen is basically maybe quarter of a car lengths ahead of him um, dives his front wing into the side of Verstappen's uh, side pod um, basically spins him uh, his tires are locked up he's damaged his floor um, and he's out but Leclerc manages to I guess re- retain enough momentum out of that incident to 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 keep the position um, up into third uh, but it basically um, yeah ruined Max's start put him in last and ultimately 
sort of ruined his race. Yeah, he, let's see, um, Verstappen pitted immediately. Um, but And even though Leclerc had a little bit of damage uh, to his front wing, he kept going. Uh, also on the start, Norris jumped up from eighth place uh, by the first turn was tangling with Hamilton, which is super cool to see. There's a couple of good ones. Hulkenberg had a, mi- a mighty start. Yeah. Or, I think he gained something like five or six places off the, off the, by the time turn two was done. Yeah. And he, he said over the radio to his engineer, like, hey, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, lap two, Leclerc doesn't pit. And then his end plate, which is uh, the part that's damaged his let's see on the uh the left side of his front wing uh is like rattling around and sparking on the ground it flies off damages leclerc's left mirror on its way by and then like flips around his car and takes out hamilton's right mirror who's right behind him explodes on the track carlos signs dodges it and then apparently a bunch of that carbon fiber went into norris's brake ducts uh, mm. who was right behind signs yeah, um, and 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 Hamilton throughout this time is calling it out because he's he's eating a bit of it. Um, yeah, and it seemed like one of those situations at this time. There's also like crazy team radio going on between Leclerc and his pit wall. Again, I wish I knew when exactly all of that was coming through because it was hard to tell if they were taking it too seriously too late. Um, but it it seemed like just lack of communication or something, and then also this. Mar- the the race directors didn't seem to want to take out the donut flag either for him even though there was pieces of car being thrown in hamilton's face the whole thing just seemed very odd it, it was it was a weird thing because you're right like i couldn't figure out what the timing on those radio messages was but at the same time ferrari has access to live shots as well plus all the telemetry so they were seeing the same things we were, which should have been the cue. You need to come in. Uh, you can't be driving around like that. We're already maybe in hot water. But uh, the notion that like you're going to be, well, one, it almost seemed like they were going to be allowed to just run around the, the circuit with a piece of their wing hanging off because the stewards were slow to react. Uh, but two, it was really surprising that they weren't really forceful and just demand him come in right away. And that's a dynamic I don't get. It seems like every I like, I like Charles. I really do. It increasingly feels like every radio message with him is a debate. And (laughs) that is, and something's going wrong there. Either the team needs to be like, be clear when things are not up for debate uh, or they're just so laconic on the radio that he never like, is this an order? Is this a, it would be nice. Maybe we should like, he seems uncertain about what he's getting from them and they do not seem to be clear about like what is right and necessary right now. Their thing that was wild about this was, um, at some point you, you think it's going to stop throwing part like pieces of metal, right? Like it's when you start (laughs) in the high speed replays and you start realizing how much crap is being thrown off by that one dangling bit of wing. It seems physically impossible that that much shrapnel could be generated from a tiny little flap. Uh, And yet, like once you slowed it down, you started to realize he was really hurling a lot of debris 
uh, around and, the track and enough, and, and enough to damage his car and another yeah. driver's car. Like, what are the, you know, the odds of a tiny piece taking out both wings, it was obviously like a lot of stuff because it wasn't going to take out two mirrors if it was just yeah. one tiny piece. So it must have been a lot. But yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I, I feel like in, in Leclerc's uh, defense, and I don't know the dynamics of the relationship between them and the communication that's going on there, but it does really feel, and maybe this is, I feel like this is something we've touched upon in previous episodes as well, that regardless of whatever strategy Ferrari are doing, it never feels like they're being assertive. It always feels like this sort of like wishy-washy, you know, and in the heat of the moment like that, yeah, like it was weird for him to be like, hey, it's not as bad as... It's not as bad as you, and maybe it looks bad, but it doesn't feel bad. Uh, but he can't really see what's going on. So it's crazy that they don't like say, I, I don't know, but you never know. Yeah. Maybe they really, really didn't want to bring him in. Maybe that was just, you know, and, and this was their way of sort of uh, trying to weasel their way past the, the race director resisting. Like, I I don't know, but it, it increasingly, I feel like this is not the first time we've had the two, you know, Leclerc talking to his pit wall and, and, there being this just vagueness. <laughs> like, it seems so strange when, when everyone else is so direct. Like, listen to Bono and Hamilton, and it's just like data point, data point, question, data point. It's so, mm-hmm. it's like it's like a fighter jet. Whereas, like, when Leclerc sounds like he's ringing up his fucking ISP. I, I wrote down uh, when they tell him uh, box, box, uh, he replies with, why don't we continue a little bit more? Right. Yeah, and I was like, like, "Is this a real F one radio transmission?" Like, hmm. I hear you're called a box, but yeah. uh, what I propose is let me let me just run this up the flagpole, see if anyone salutes it. <laughs> what if we didn't box and we just drop yeah. a few more laps and just see what happens? But, let's just keep going. Maybe the next gas station has a subway. Like, let's just yeah, we're we're fine. Let's keep going. But is this? But maybe is this like uh, fourth dimensional chess where this like as as you sort of animated there is ferrari trying to look like they're trying to do something when really yeah. they're keeping track position and more importantly they are keeping uh they, they are is charles still somehow ahead of hamilton at this point i think he is yes he is. yeah yeah so retained position. yeah of course that's the, that's where the debris uh sh- that's where the debris goes uh in hamilton's face uh but <laughs> like are they called, also, which, which I laugh, but like le- legitimately, that could have hurt somebody. Yeah, yo, that's a big piece. Yeah, yeah. it's like you like know, Felipe, a foot and I mean, half. Felipe Massa was was rendered unconscious for. I mean, granted, that was a that was a bolt or something, but like debris coming off cars is no laughing matter when the when the cars are tra- traveling at that speed. I mean, the relative speed, I guess, would be the same in that instance, but like it's it's you know, it's it's super dangerous, right? But are they just are they basically trying to make a show of like, damn, we you know we tried to get ahead of that wing situation, but. You know, it was confusing. Things were fluid, it, and in this the is the meantime, radio version of when they pretend to come out into the pits. Yeah, and then in the meantime, Hamilton is falling farther and farther behind Vettel, uh, who they have to think is going to be able to claw some of this back, uh, given that the pace advantage Ferrari's had for much of the weekend. Right. I think this might be a good time to just uh, jump to what the stewards did with Leclerc after the race, because yeah. um, they handed him actually two penalties one for his uh collision with verstappen was a five second time penalty uh and then a 10 second time penalty for um uh driving un un uh in an unsafe manner which you know comes from the fact that he was uh dangling um parts from his car uh but if you're gonna 
if you're going to weigh in on that and say that that was dangerous, that's not a, that doesn't seem like a judgment call on what someone's intention was, right? That's, you can see what's happening there. Why, if if you're going to hand down that penalty, why didn't you show a flag? Flag, yeah, I don't, I, and it's worth mentioning as well that during the race, the incident was opened relatively quickly, said that they weren't going to do anything else on it. And then I feel like five or six laps later was reopened. And they said they'd finish it after the, they'd figure it out after the race, which also just I think it may have been the Verstappen thing. Yeah, that that was specifically the Verstappen thing. Yeah, yeah, but but it just that whole element just seemed as a viewer of the sport, it was a nightmare because it meant that there was an asterisk over whatever Leclerc was doing at all times. So you you kind of feel like you're out of the the loop on that one. But I, yeah, I have a, a statement from Massey. Uh, FIA race director about that specifically. Mm. Um, he says that originally with what was available to the stewards, they made a determination that no investigation was necessary. Uh, then they got some other footage, which they didn't have. And well, within their rights, it was a new element and they reopened it. Somebody tweeted it onto streamable. Oh, really? No, I'm only oh. <laughs> uh, What footage did they not have? Like what? Yeah, yeah I don't I mean, know. It, it might've taken them a couple minutes to get, get all the, all the angles. Uh, but it did, I guess, to me, it did look maybe a little bit more like a racing incident in the moment. And then when you get a slightly wider angle, you realize how much racetrack uh, uh, Leclerc, I guess, just the pronunciation thing is throwing me. It is so it's weird Leclerc, to be like, just... have the dude introduce himself <laughs> as Charles Leclerc, and then it's uh, Leclerc all the way down. Uh, but whatever. Uh, it is once you, once you could see clearly how much track Leclerc had to work with at at that point, he went out of his way to sort of cut, uh, Verstappen off. And I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I feel like, um, to an extent karmically Verstappen did a lot of the stuff like this early in his F1 career, but it's been a while since I've seen that much that's egregious from him. Uh, meanwhile, it really feels like ever since Austria, um, Charles has been maybe one of the most sharp elbow drivers out there to the point where I think it's I think it's bad form. I think we are, and and not only that, but like to to this question we've been returning to again and again: What kind of F one do you want? Uh, Good hard racing is one thing, but at the same time, I would have preferred to see the, I would prefer uh, Charles and uh, Max to be able to race each other and see how that is resolved on the track, you know, the the move and counter move, rather Mm -hmm. than them being so dangerous around each other that like Charles resolves it every time by shunting Max off the track. Uh, That, that sucks. Yeah, he did on Twitter uh, take responsibility for that. He says, my mistake in turn one, it ruined Max's race and put ourselves in a bad position for the remaining uh, remainder, I guess, of the race. Uh, Mexico next. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, like, I, I, I think it was a mistake more than intention. It did seem like he got a bit of oversteer when when he when Vettel cut across his air there. Uh, but but he should have left more space. I think his, I think there's... It, to me, it felt a little bit weird where in this year they're being so lax about the sort of rubbing his race in this of this sort of stuff. I can't. I, I don't necessarily think 
it could have gone either way kind of for me, but it seemed sloppy from Leclerc rather than mean. But here's the thing. It's right at the start of the race. Everyone is going through that corner. Everyone is losing air in front of them. Everyone is losing front downforce. It's only Charles you see yeah. lurch. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, not, I'm, it, I'm saying I don't even buy that he lost. I'm not even I'm not, I'm saying I don't even buy that he lost air over the wing. And right. that's what caused him to massively understeer like that. I think mean, the start of the race at that speed, that probably is not going to be the thing that makes him do that. It's going to be he took an angle. And I guess I just to watch the onboard and his wheel doesn't like he loses. He doesn't like turn in or he doesn't straighten out. Um, but yeah, I know it's like he also should. He knows in that situation, as every other driver knows, yeah. what's what's going to happen with his, you know, it's it's not like the gust of wind thing that happened maybe with with uh, Kubica. Um, yeah, it sucked. It kind of it was it was. Uh, yeah, ultimately, it really sucked for for Stappen as well. Yeah, and and Leclerc did finally pit uh, on lap three, so the running order becomes uh, Botas in first, Vettel in second, Hamilton third, Signs in fourth, and Albon Ooh. in fifth. Um. Does McLaren's? Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of lap four, um, Albon on Norris. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Did I say so, that running order right then? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it is. Signs ahead of Norris. Yeah. Albon. Signs. It was Albon Norris. E, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Who wants to take us through this one? This is a. This is a chicane after one thirty. All right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just Alexander Albon decides to. <laughs> Like take a corner, like when you're playing the video game. Yeah, where you just like break <laughs> bombs down the inside. At least he did it somewhere where there's a pretty hefty escape road. Um, but yeah, he just shunts uh, Norris off the track. He kept the place as well, didn't he? He did. Um, I think they and did the stewards even say anything in the end? I don't think so. I think the drivers talked about it after the race. I think Norris, like I think Norris later said it was a hard move, but I'm glad there was no action. Uh, that was the comment I saw from him. Cool. Um, so yeah, like some so, some nice gamesmanship. Certainly, I think it was a weird thing because if you look, like when I when I looked at the replay, Albin had him. It wasn't it, it wasn't close. It yeah. wasn't like he was creating an opportunity that wasn't there. He had a good run. And he was coming fast and like, you know, there was there was a little bit of daylight. He took it and Norris would have had to really aggressively slam the door on that. Um, And so, like, to me, it was it was a little edgy, but I don't think Albin was driving like a jerk. I think he had such a good run on Norris that suddenly a non-traditional line presented itself. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was are we saying Alvin was suffering a little bit because of the carbon fiber and the brake ducts? Uh, it was Norris. Uh, Norris. Oh, that was Norris that had that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob, how would you um, uh, compare and contrast Albon this Albon move and um, past Leclerc moves? Hmm. Uh. Well, see, I think with with Leclerc, I think sometimes I see this being more defensive. Um, mm. And so, like, the the one that's freshest in mind is Monza, where I where I thought literally, like, literally he was uh, basically trying to deny space to another to, to another racer that was making a fair move. This to me felt like Albin had a pretty clear run. 
and then it was two cars going into one. Uh, but it didn't necessarily feel that far out of bounds. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, is there a particular uh, Leclerc incident that you have in mind that you're thinking about? Where? Uh, no, I, I think you're right. The ones that come to mind for me are on the defense. Maybe yeah. I mean, uh, for Stappen getting by Leclerc in Austria, or was it Canada where he bumps him off? No, it was Austria because that because that was yeah. that was where uh, Leclerc, uh, like that was sort of his origin story, right? Like he was yeah. a mild mannered, uh, monogast uh, Formula One driver, <laughs> and then in Austria he got bumped off the track and turned into by a radioactive Max Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Leclerc, he's making a lot of moves in the backfield uh, after that pit stop. He gets by Verstappen on uh, lap nine on the start finish straight. Uh, gets by Kvyat on lap 12 on the inside, a spoon, and then Raikkonen uh, just before 130R on lap 14. Uh, and then uh, one lap after that, Verstappen does retire into the garage. Uh, and then lap 17, pit stops. Fettel pits and goes from soft tire to soft tire, tipping his hand uh, into a, uh, a two-stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't seen many of those this year. No, and and Botas covers him on the next lap. Uh, so then it, Hamilton's in the race. He then pits on um, uh, lap twenty one. So no one after that loses a place in the top three. So it's still Botas in first, Vettel, uh, and then Hamilton. And Hamilton, at least I know, puts on medium tires. What does Botas do? Mediums as well. Yeah, not for okay. a while though. And this is where we begin to get get into it. Yeah. So this is. Um, this becomes a, a tire strategy race lap 24 Hamilton and his, uh, engineer are talking about, uh, their options. Bono, his engineer says you're currently P3 Vettel 10 seconds ahead. Deg looks very high. So one stop will be a struggle. Let's chase Vettel down. Uh, Hamilton asks how Valtteri is at the moment. Uh, Bono replies, he's nearly got a full pit stop on Hamilton and then Hamilton's like, how have I lost that much time? Uh, Bono says uh, Deg is much higher. By the way, Deg is degradation, tire degradation. Uh, and we lost time behind Vettel. Hamilton says, I'm out of the race now. If the Deg is that massive, why didn't you give me hard tires? Can you guys please explain a bit? I'm basically out of the race, uh, a pit stop behind. Um, and the response is Vettel is guaranteed a two stop. So we can see how this comes to us. Which I don't, I don't really understand that explanation you guys so i think i for at this stage in the race i believe there are a couple of other drivers who are on hards but they're all at the back of the pack it's like magnuson giovanazzi raikkonen and i think grosjean are all on hards and they basically have like hardly any data for how the hards are going to go because they didn't have free practice three and the weather was a little bit weird on friday so there's a lot of like question marks basically I think what Bono was saying was that they they think the degradation was too high also on the hards and they know that um, there's going to be a second pit stop for Vettel who's going to have to go on mediums. So if the deg is so high on the softs at the moment that he's already pitted, he'll have to pit again and then stretch out his medium gap. 
and what they'll be able to do is go on softs for the last stint. And Hamilton, I don't know, I, I always think he's better at managing tire wear than most of them probably. So I think that's probably what he's trying to do is look, look, the race will come to us. We're gonna we're gonna put them on that put the pressure on Vettel to sort of like eke out, you know, as much he can out of these softs. Um, and then we'll be in a position once he's pitched to be able to look at the deltas and say, okay, when is the best time to do it? So they're kind of like to me, I feel like what they were doing is putting Hamilton in a sort of a reactionary uh, strategy where they could watch everyone else, see how they did, and then make that last pit stop sort of um, based on that data. Um, it's really tough because I think I think what would probably frustrate Hamilton the most when you come away from this is they didn't give him they didn't really even give him the shot at doing the one stop. And I think to your point, he is very good at. Uh, managing his tires. That is a skill he has developed over his career. And uh, he's become one of the really great race managers uh, on, on the grid. And they didn't really give him the option of going from softs onto mediums and seeing if he could make that work with a one stop. On the other hand, how, like, how could they have done that? They had, they had another option to maybe, and we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. Late in the race, they maybe could have flirted with the idea of having him stretch out uh, those mediums to see if he got to the end. Um, but at this moment, the other the other thing you could do is you could have extended that soft uh, stint even longer, I guess. But by lap 19, Hamilton was losing a second per sector uh, to Botas. Yeah. And so like, at that point, you're basically at the cliff. Um, and probably it's just going to keep getting more brutal. And so at that point, are you beginning to throw the podium, uh, into question if you're hemorrhaging that kind of time? Cause you know, at that point, if you're a second, you know, if you're losing three seconds a lap, basically, uh, every lap at that point becomes really expensive to yeah. run. What, like how much are you going to make back by saving that? I don't know off the top of my head what the what the pit delta is uh, at, at Suzuka, but like you run three four laps with that kind of uh, time bleed, and you've erased any advantage of doing a one stop. So they're kind of boxed in on that front. The question then becomes: Could he have maybe somehow worked those mediums through to the end? And I'm not sure we saw him take all the possible life out of those mediums or try to do one of those heroic drives. I also don't feel like um, Mercedes encouraged him to do that or gave him much of an opportunity to do that. And I, I do wonder if there was an element of we like the order we've got. Valtteri needs a win. Uh, he's been the driver of the weekend. We are not. We are not going to set up another one of these fights uh, for right. you guys on track. It's Especially, also worth mentioning. Sorry, you're probably going to say the thing I'm going to say, Drew. Uh, yeah, because they're so close to getting the constructors' championship. They want to yeah. get bring those bring those silver cars home. Yeah, I, I, at one stage, I guess you got to kind of pick who you're racing. Like, are they racing Vettel or are they racing Valtteri? Because, um, you know, if Hamilton's racing Vettel, then also that takes Vettel, his eye off of Valtteri and makes him look back at Hamilton a bit. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, team strategy-wise, I think it probably worked out for them. Um, maybe not so good for Hamilton. I love that at this stage, we've basically not seen Valtteri for, like, 20 laps as well. Right. He's just doing his thing. Gone. 
Speaking of tire wear, we got some new graphics this week. Yeah, which I, I really like. like. I don't I like know. Them. Why don't you I, like them? Because they see it seems fake. Like, where are they getting this data from? It looks like there's some round numbers. I was like twenty percent, really. Those all those <laughs> tires are twenty percent, huh? So it's what they give you in. So it's interesting in the F one <laughs> game that Codemasters makes. They yes. give you two pieces of data. They give you rate wear percentage which i always thought it was a gamey abstraction of the state yes. of your tires i was now like i don't know necessarily how you have that information on the other hand the thing to remember is it's not just the teams with this information pirelli has pretty detailed specs on these tires and a lot of information so probably there is like some pretty well-known math about how these things perform across mm. a race distance that pirelli is supplying and Within a certain error bar, when Pirelli, when you have that data that says that that tire has twenty percent left to it uh, before it begins to completely fail as a tire, you can probably take that to the bank a little bit. On the other hand, it is kind of suspiciously precise when so much about tire performance seems to be about uh, you know carcass temperature versus uh, right. you know tread uh, tread temperature, etc. And yeah, tire health is, some... a, is a bigger conversation too, right? With like flat spotting and blistering and yeah. like all of these different yeah. things. There's, there's so much like, I, d- I, I don't know. I wonder if seems... it's some like combination of the projected life of a tire plus the telemetry telling you what the tire temperature is like this. Because you'll see the wear be different on different tires, which we know, you know, is accurate. Um, uh, or we know that it's different per tire because of the way that circuits are designed, right? Like a left, a left, uh, or a counterclockwise yeah. circuit means that the tires on the right side will wear more. Um, so I wonder if it's just like, well, we know these are pretty old tires based on Pirelli specs, and this one has been the hottest uh, for the race. So color that one a little more orange. Maybe it was the wording. There was something like so specific about like, you know, this is the tire where like, yeah, if you're saying like projected tire, like lifespan or some, I don't, I guess maybe that's a bit wordy. It just seemed a little bit funny. I also kind of felt like, I mean, shouldn't the teams be doing the work to figure out each other's tire wear a bit more? Like, I don't, do we necessarily need that? Like, you know, I know I'm sure Amazon. I think it's really helpful for the audience. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, like that, that means that when a, uh, you know, a, a driver's, tires are showing like 20 percent and they're still holding off you know lewis hamilton right. that becomes an even more uh, incredible feat rob you're Hyper laughing softs had to die so that <laughs> the tire wear percentage could yeah, live exactly <laughs> which c is this no I, I like i i'm with drew on this one i i like it i think it is a decent abstraction to uh sort of unpack what people are talking about when they're discussing tire wear, I'm sure the teams do have more advanced data they're using. I mean, I would not be surprised if there's some somebody out there with a freaking IR camera pointing it at other cars as they go by being like, OK, that's 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 what his brakes and tires are doing right now. Um, Whatever happened to the heat camera? I miss the heat camera. That oh, was yeah. Cool. Was good times. Remember that when they did the overlay when you have it over? I guess has the halo just gotten in the way or something? <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can find footage of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, it might also be that everything runs so hot now that, I mean, but you can always change, control the gradient, but it just maybe heat is no longer as informative as it yeah. used to be because like, it used fairness, to be. It always, 
just used to kind of show the same. It was never that. It was it wasn't like you were looking at the heat, being like, "Oh, that tire is specifically warm on the outside there." Yeah, uh, but I, also though, as soon as that graphic came up and they're like, "Hamilton's right side tires are down twenty percent," they were telling him to box like ten seconds later. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, there's they they show it again at a, at a pretty interesting point. But uh, before we get there, there's a good double pass on the start finish straight on lap 27. Hulkenberg and Perez mm. scoot by Kvyat into ninth and tenth. It's pretty cool. A little one two yeah. action. Uh, lap 31. Vettel takes his second pit stop. So now it's Botas in first and Hamilton second. Leclerc still moving up the field gets by on the inside of Gasly. At Spoon for sixth, which is a nice and clean move. Um, lap 37. Botas then takes his second pit stop, leaving Hamilton in first. Uh, and then Hamilton pits five laps after Botas uh, with medium tires that the graphics are telling us are at 70%. Hmm. So uh, Ted Kravitz also, I think, agrees with you, Robs uh, or uh, Danny saying um, for Mercedes... It's all about the Constructors' Championship today, I think, uh, because with that 70% projected life in the tires here for lap 42, we're nine laps from the finish. Uh, nine? Eleven. Um, could Hamilton have have eked him out? We'll never know. Yeah, I mean, the other element here is that, you know... How? where is the competition here in the front? Because Vettel and Bottas haven't gone toe-to-toe. Hamilton hasn't caught up with Vettel. And there is, I guess, not many laps left. And the big lingering question on this race is whether or not Hamilton will be able to grab second. And then we sort he, of... Right, yeah. Uh, you know, he's never, he's probably not going to catch Valtteri, but with enough, you know, uh, laps left to, to um, maybe eke up on Vettel. And, you know, the... The straight line speed of the Ferrari has been good, but the Mercedes have had decent grip exiting the corners as well. So it's not like it was, you know, you could. There was a shot, was it? I think it was when Leclerc overtook Verstappen, which was maybe in the, within the first 10 laps or something, obviously, because Verstappen retired on 15 mm-hmm. or something. Um, you could see the speed the the ferrari performance you could you could just see like oh it's 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 a different beast it's gobbling up the everyone else i mean basically leclerc's entire race was him just gobbling people up yeah um but that wasn't happening with the with the with the mercs the mercs were able to hold their own on this this track um so that was kind of the last lingering question was whether or not you know all things being equal let's now see if if hamilton's able to actually get past them yeah but they 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 trade potentially holding on to second uh and maybe being passed by Vettel for new tires in third place to chase down Vettel right yeah so it's an interesting trade-off um I'm also Hamilton then go ahead I just I still it was like the I thought I thought Valtteri was probably screwed like because the the gap was not coming down real well after like after Valtteri's second stop uh for a while there like he was 13 seconds i think behind behind Hamilton uh now admittedly there was some they were they were both dealing with different pods of traffic uh but Valtteri even on fresh uh like like fresh tires 
was pretty slowly taking time out of Hamilton around lap 42, which is when Hamilton was told to box. Like you finally started to see meaningful chunks of time, uh, start to come off of Hamilton. But at the same time, I think that it was still like a nine second gap. I want to say, and that had been still, that had been slowly getting clawed down. Let's, uh, Actually, let's let's look at the let's look at what that gap was uh, real quick. Uh, lap forty-two, Valtteri. Lap forty-one, the gap was eight point three. Uh, lap forty-two, the gap was down to five. So maybe that was the cliff, but that might have also been Hamilton mm-hmm. slowing to enter the pits. I don't know. Um, but yeah, who was that time? Is yeah. that on race fans? Yeah. Who was it that that almost the, the flat spot on the? I mean, lots of people flat spot on the way into pits. Who was it who slowed down oh, very uh, sharply? Was that yeah? Yeah, it was sweet. It was very. Uh, <laughs> love to, uh, love to basically do a, a, you know, a handbrake turn into the pits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah. So like, I don't know. It, to, to me, I did wonder. Could he have made those made those last if they told him up front, like, hey, man, uh, it's on you. We think this is nearly impossible to pull off. But if you want to try it, go ahead. They just didn't really give him that option. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, uh, you know, again, the weird thing about the cliff is once you hit it, it's too late. The time goes away from you so fast that like, yeah, you're you're barely able to get through a lap. But uh yeah i mean he would have probably retained third at least you know in that instance because what was the gap between him and fourth it was yeah the signs i think is in fourth at this stage or, Every, everyone's basically hoping that a couple of the cars Alan. in front cra- uh, crash or have to retire so that because there's a bunch of really young upstarts who are like in, sitting in the wings on fourth fifth and sixth um who'd be cool to see on podiums uh yeah i guess we also don't want to push botas into vettel you know if if him and Hamilton end up slowing each other down a bit. Yeah, so Hamilton does set to work on Vettel, trying to chase him down. Vettel, by the way, is on medium tires. Hamilton's on those new softs. And by lap 51, Hamilton is close enough for DRS and tries it on the start-finish straight, uh, but Vettel covers the inside uh, of turn one, and that is enough to defend against Hamilton. With the help of Danny Kvyat, who basically got in everyone's way. That's true. Yeah. Sort of. I don't think he was in... So when I saw that, I definitely thought Vettel made sure he was in the way. Like, I thought Vettel... (laughs) Like, Vettel approached Danny at that point in the race like a runner tagging up in baseball. Like, he made sure that he was right behind that dude as they entered that that straight and then he had the drs and he was gone and at that point like there's nothing hamilton like both cars with drs there's there's nothing that hamilton's going to be able to do well hamilton when he was wake hamilton had closed the gap because in the preceding corners up to the straight i guess i know it should be i think vettel maybe caught danny a little bit earlier than he would have liked because the gap reduced hamilton was way closer leaving that chicane than he had been at any other time but yeah you're ultimately you're right he he you know he got that drs and it made all the difference, especially with the straight line speed that Ferrari was holding all weekend. And especially because the race ended a little bit earlier than everybody thought. Uh, oh, yeah. So this, it it wasn't quite as confusing on screen as it actually was in reality, but the race is supposed to go to 53 laps. On lap 53, we see Perez in the wall, uh, crashing from 10th place after attempting a move on the outside of Gasly. This moves his teammate up into 10th place, uh, Stroll, 
However, after the race, we learned that the checkered flag panel, which is a little light board, uh, I think near the start finish line, activated one lap early. You're kidding. On lap 52, which means that the race was officially called a lap early, which means Perez's crash is a non-factor. So he finished ninth, Hulkenberg 10th and Stroll 11th. That's did did any of the drivers say that they saw it? Did any of the drivers react differently because of it? Uh, I think uh, Vettel did not see it, but they called him on the radio and said the race is ending one lap early. So it used to be that the physically waved flag is the only thing that stops the race. That's the right. last. That's the final straw. But as racefans.net points out, last year's Canadian Grand Prix was accidentally ended a lap early because the yes. checkered flag was shown too soon. I, we remember it was a, it was a, a, a guest, right? It was, yes. Yeah. Following that, the FIA changed the rules for 2019, which stated the checkered light panel, not the flag, would be the official signal that the race had finished. Different uh, article still on racefans.net. Vettel, <laughs> who said he hadn't noticed the early electronic flag signal, believes F1 should go back to using a traditional oh checkered flag. V12s and real flags. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh, become, Vettel is the boomer of this, uh, <laughs> this grid. Good. It was good back in the old days. What uh, that's so that's very some, I mean there was gremlins in all the machines this week. What yeah, weird, which, uh, FIA yeah. race director Michael Massey confirmed uh, again just from racefans.net quote it was a system error. What the exact part of it was, I can't tell you here and now. It's something that we'll look into and obviously rectify. Congratulations, but, Valtteri Bottas. Yes, Bottas wins, and crucially, um, Hamilton takes the fastest lap, which is significant oh, yeah. because with that point. Mercedes wins their sixth Constructors' Championship in a row, along with the sixth Mercedes driver uh, winning the championship. Botas and Hamilton uh, are still in it, but that means that um, a Mercedes driver will win. That has never been done before. Six mm. Constructors and drivers in a row. Uh, it's also, funny because it doesn't feel like the Ferrari era. It feels more fun than that. <laughs> But but I guess I mean, maybe that's just my own uh, subjective thing. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear from people like the yeah. Ferrari era, the Red Bull era. Um, you look at Gotta it on paper, and, and it's not. <laughs> it doesn't look fun, but honestly, it feels. You're right. A lot more. Maybe we've just been lulled into this sense of normalcy. Um, yeah. I maybe don't know. it's the way they're broadcasting it. I feel like we're seeing more of other parts of the track, maybe, or maybe we've gotten to know those drivers better than we did in the past uh, with with stuff like Drive to Survive. And it's, you know, I don't know. That's certainly been a factor for me is really getting to know a lot of those younger drivers on Twitch. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I think there's, there, I think there's a couple things. There have been different state, like, Mercedes dominance is at a different feel at different stages. Like mm. this year and la this year and last year in particular, that dynasty seemed a little bit shaky uh, with regard to Ferrari. And Ferrari came on too late this year to really mount a serious challenge. But last year, certainly Hamilton's championship uh, prospects seemed to be very much in doubt. And Valtteri was having a bad year. So suddenly, like 
a lot of things seemed possible last year. And again, it's said maybe had it a little more together. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this goes differently. Mm. But then before that, we also had uh, Hamilton and Rosberg had two seasons where they were really at each other's throats. And so you had like a pretty exciting battle happening there. And Rosberg managed to get one of those championships, which is distinct from the Red Bull era, which was there's like, I I would say the, the Red Bull era made it might've been the most boring for me uh, because (laughs) what have we seen? Like, what have we learned that Vettel is good at uh, in the last couple of years? If he gets a lead and he has a car that he yeah. feels has a material advantage over all the other cars around him, he does like kind of activate God mode and he just drives away with the race. So if you if you, if you know you can put the car in the front and then you just need to manage the race, Vettel's your guy. It was like three years of that. Mm-hmm. And the only people who were able to sort of mount a challenge, uh, Mark Weber, but it is tough to win a championship if you can't start a race. And so, like that, ch- that challenge fizzled every year. And Schumacher killed all his challengers. <laughs> the the uh, very much the Saturn of uh, Formula One. Uh, Botas after the race thought this was funny. He uh, comes on the radio and says, James, it's Valtteri. Well done. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, Japanese Grand Prix. Valtteri Botas on top. Sebastian Vettel, second place. Lewis Hamilton rounding out the podium behind them. Alex Albon brings it home in fourth place. Carlos Sainz in fifth. And Daniel Ricciardo in sixth. Mm. Uh, speaking of overtaken, um, Charles Leclerc finished in seventh place. Coming back from his early morning pit stop. Oh, wait. Uh, what's up? He finished in sixth. He was penalized down to seventh. We forgot about... Did we mention this part? He had a 20-second gap in sixth place. He had a 20-second gap. And Ferrari was like, hey, come on in, man. We're going to get you... We're going to put you on sauce. You're going to set fastest lap. Yeah, and he was like, about that. I don't know about that. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. we love it. Come on in. It was so weird. We, that was the, do we that have was a like gap the, in traffic for you? No. Yeah. Oh, God. It was that, that was the weird cherry on top. I was watching it live and um, uh, chatting with folks on Discord. And they were like, everyone was like, what? Like, is this just to neg? Like, have Mercedes getting a constructors championship? What was even funnier was if because he 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 ended up not getting the fastest lap. Right. What would have been even funnier is if he did get the fastest lap because that lap was then taken away. So it would have been even better if that happened that way. I oh, feel on like. the final lap because it was the final lap is when or he the tried fifty third lap. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Well. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but you're right. He finished in sixth place, and because he was that. He, that he because he took the time to make a pit stop that 50 sec 15 second penalty post race put him behind daniel ricardo so, so you're stupid. right he went down from uh sixth to seventh uh behind him pierre gasly sergio perez uh and nico hulkenberg rounding up the top 10 outside that we got an 11th place stroll followed by kvyat norris raikkonen grosjean antonio giovinazzi magnuson russell Kubica and the retired Max Verstappen. That's a race. That's a race. Mm. Uh, driver standings. Lewis Hamilton, 
338 points. Valtteri Bottas, 274. It's quite a mountain to climb there, Valtteri. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charles Leclerc has 221. Max Verstappen with 212. Tied with Sebastian Vettel for fourth place. Wow. Uh, Sainz with 76. Gasly with 73. Albon's got 64. Ricardo with 42. Nico Hulkenberg in 10th place with 35. Tied with Sergio Perez. Uh, Norris is in 12th with... Oh, I'm that's a yep. three-way tie. Three-way, yep. Uh, Hulkenberg and Perez and Norris all have 35 points in 10th place. Then we've got Kvyat with 33, Raikkonen with 31, Magnussen with 20, Stroll with 19, Grosjean with 8, Antonio Giovinazzi with 4, Kubica has 1, and Russell has 0. Uh, Mercedes has clinched the constructor standings um, with 6.12. Ferrari's got 4.33. Red Bull's got 3.23. McLaren uh, still in a solid fourth place with 111 points. Renault creeping up there with 77, although that may not stand. We'll get to that. Scuderia Toro Rosso, 59 points. Racing points got 54. Alfa Romeo's got 35. Genos and team, 28 points. Wow. Uh, Williams with one. 20. Haas is just... Imploding. It gets worse with every race. You just see how how much they're, they're lagging behind. Yeah. Same drivers next year. Indeed. Woo. Consistency. The devils you know. <laughs> um, I guess one more thing here from the Japanese Grand Prix. The stewards explained why Vettel avoided uh, a jump start penalty. This is also from racefans.net. Vettel's car moved before the red lights went out, but the Ferrari driver stopped his car before the start was given. According to the stewards, he did not infringe the rules because he was not moving at the moment the lights went out. Interestingly, uh, as somebody found on Reddit, he did the exact same thing from the exact same place in 2010. You're kidding. In Suzuka. Yeah, in Suzuka. I will link that in the show in notes. In second? Uh, he, was, he started in first on pole position. Same, okay. as, same as this race. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it's wild. There you go. Old habits die hard um yeah and then i guess i can i can take this uh this racing point protest um so during the japanese grand prix um racing point i guess noticed something about Renault because they filed a complaint with the stewards mm. alleging that um Renault is using on their cars a, quote, preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system, which Race Fans points out is forbidden by Article 11.1.4 of the technical regulations, which state any change to or modulation of the brake system may not be preset. The FIA Technical Department's representative has been ordered to conduct an examination of the steering wheels and electronic control units from Daniel Ricardo and Nico Hulkenberg's cars. Those parts are to be sealed and impounded. Ooh. In the meantime, stewards have issued a final race classification, but noted that Renault's finishing positions of 6th, Ricardo, and 10th, Hulkenberg, uh, is, quote, provisional subject to the outcome of any decision concerning the protest. This is also something that if they find... Um, uh, is indeed the case and is judged to be significantly egregious, could see Renault losing all of their points, which would be wild. 
are they saying this is something that they only noticed now or or that was only introduced for this race or is that all still up in the air uh, i think the fia accepted this complaint after the japanese grand prix okay huh yeah so we'll be watching that one what a weird yeah i guess i don't fully get the what the value of that kind of cheat would be either because it's not dynamic if they're saying it's preset bias adjustment based on race distance why do you need to do that? Drivers can control the bias from inside the car. So right. you can just tell you can, you can just tell someone like, look, uh, like with each lap, you need to adjust the balance further back to uh, handle handle tire wear until you get fresh tires or something because of the weight transfer uh, with the lightning fuel load. I don't know. I just don't get why you would build a system like this. It's, it's the equivalent of an egg timer for brake bias. So what it, I guess it, in that respect, then it's one less thing for the drivers to do. Because yeah, but it's, it's such pre- a trivial thing. Do you want to explain a bit what brake bias does, Rob? Yeah, so you can adjust uh, where the where, where the balance of the braking force uh, exists on an F1 car. So like a if if both uh, sets of brakes are applying equal force. Uh, you're squarely at 50-50. The front brakes are applying the same uh, force as the rear brakes. I don't know how how that translates to an F1 car because you do have bigger uh, brakes and and tires in the back. But uh, in terms of where the the braking balance is, uh, that's sort of squarely in the middle. A lot of F1 cars put the balance forward um, and sort of like rely more on the front brakes uh, to, to sort of slow cars on, on turn entry. But as the weight shifts in a car, but also because of tire wear, or because of brake wear, uh, a lot of times drivers will and can from, from the cockpit adjust that balance of the braking uh, and adjust like when they hit the pedal uh, how much braking force is being applied by the front brakes versus how much is being applied by the rear brakes. This is a pretty old and standard system. Um, and yeah, it is one more thing for drivers to fuss with, but compared to a lot of the other mode adjustments and harvesting settings they have to, fu- to, to fuss with, this is a pretty mild one. So what puzzles me about this one is, you already had basically a knob that you could use to tweak bias adjustment on demand. What is outlined here doesn't sound like there was any smarts to the system. It doesn't sound like it was doing any sort of like live analysis or like real time adjustment. It sounds like it was taking the race distance and just changing brake bias depending on how far into the race you were. Right. Or maybe maybe per lap based on how we don't like it's still a form of automation. It's still one less thing for the driver to have to do every single lap, maybe every turn. Like if it's preset, they have, might have it might be the entire lap that's preset yeah. over the course of. So like even though it's not dynamic, it's still basically an automated system. Right. But right. But and you've seen how much like the Mercedes are like tweaking their brake bias every single like they're, they're you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, if but, it's but, if it's a tiny bit of help, I'm, no. But, but what I'm saying is, even if it's automatic, it saves drivers a little bit of like, uh, you know, over like managerial overload in the cockpit. Yeah, think about this. Like what is described here sounds like you provide a pretty small benefit, 
for do, something that's benefit. pretty edgy. Yeah, but that's like why like I do not get why you would run this risk. Like it'd be, because maybe their maybe their drivers are bad at it. Like we don't. It doesn't. Like it doesn't. I, I'm totally with you. It seems yeah. like it seems like a bad hack to try and get an advantage, but it's still a hack to get an advantage. Like it's a, it's still against the regs. Yeah. Because if everyone was able to do this. No, I, like, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be penalized. I just don't get why you would run the risk of yes, like totally. of all the things you could do to sort of bend the rules and like try to get an advantage. Like this is your your genius idea is you know that maybe because you it's so every maybe lap? it's because it's so small that it's the, it's the one that they're the most likely to get away with because yeah. because well, you do it I, so I'm, infrequently. I'm wondering how. Racing Point figured this out, and yeah. the most likely thing to me is they watched the onboard. Like, yeah. he didn't adjust his brake bias once. Right. It must be magic. <laughs> it does seem like a particularly stupid hill to die on, or like, or, or, yeah, like advantage. It's the worst cheat. It's like taking a, a wacky races um, side route that saves you half a second. But involves you jumping over a ravine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of rules, uh, we have some uh, changes to the 2021 stuff. Um, this is Ooh. Pirelli F1 boss Mario Isolta telling Autosport 2021 we have big changes, a new car, new aero package, we have new tires, a new size, and so on. Uh, but they are they're no longer mandating that uh tire warmers the tire blankets be banned that was uh proposed but they are uh going back on that he says the idea is to have a transition and remove the blankets but over a period of time so in 2021 we keep the blankets in order to have a reference and then step by step we will go in the direction uh, of not having them when we cool. discussed Rear it i don't remember right yeah. First and <laughs> yeah i don't know what that means like half the races <laughs> we're gonna have yeah i don't know half the um, tire yeah one tire warmer a race <laughs> yeah you get to pick which tire it's on uh, uh so yeah. other penalties uh da- danny uh speaking of things going from bad to worse over at haas uh oh. as they're in free fall uh what do you make of this <laughs> yeah gunter steiner looking like a bunch of wankers is that what he said <laughs> yep <laughs> in the show yeah as steiner find steiner specifically i think find um, seven and a half thousand euros for quote unquote stupid idiotic steward, uh, end quote comment. Um, Haas team principal Gunter Steiner has been fined seven thousand five hundred by the FAA for his outburst on the radio during the Russian Grand Prix. Steiner described one of these stewards as stupid and idiotic after Kevin Magnussen was given a five second time penalty for rejoining the track incorrectly after going off at turn two. Uh, during the Russian Grand Prix, uh, counting towards the uh, FIA Formula 1 championship, the panel of stewards imposed a five-second time penalty to one of the drivers of the Haas F1 team. Uh, the team principal of the Haas F1 team, holder of an FAA super license, after the race was over, took the opportunity to make the comments on the decision during a radio message to the relevant driver. Uh, this was, if we didn't have a stupid, idiotic steward, we would be eight. You know who is the steward. You know him. It is always the same. He just does not get any more intelligent. Um, is wow. Sounds so like he really kind Trump of Trump rally. Yeah, he kept like twisting the knife. Um, you know which one it is. Now I want to know which one it is. Um, but yeah, he, he got fined for... for I, I mean, they're allowed to do a lot of things on team radio, but I guess... 
calling out specific <laughs> stewards is maybe where they draw the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's Steiner could have just a little more chill, I think, in general. I think that would be like there, there's two things. They need to fix their car and they need uh, Gunther to have a little more sang Freud. Um, so the other thing that caught my eye here was that apparently so Kubis is done with Williams at the end of this year and this has all been voluntary mm-hmm. and you know it was it, it was all put pretty it was all framed as being pretty amicable and just kind of the the right thing uh when when all was said and done uh except that now in the wake of Suzuka there's like bad blood between Kubica and the Williams team. And it stems from the fact that he was testing a new wing this weekend at Suzuka before qualifying. They dismounted the wing from his car and they put an old wing on and then they sent him out for qualifying. And the way he put it was it was, it crossed a boundary and it clarified uh, some things for for him is is the is the way he he put it, um, and so it sort of seems like he feels like he like the team kind of chose to screw him uh, at this race in general, but particularly the fairness of the shake he's gotten was I guess sort of crystallized for him uh, because of this wing issue. Which I kind of I can I get feeling miffed about that. On the other hand, literally five minutes later, you crashed your car. Was was the so they said that they had this new wing for him, and then they took it off before quali. Did it was it given to Russell or like what was the were they was there any reason given for why they did it? Because the whole thing seemed like I I don't I don't know if they've made any comment about. Yeah, because one one reason for. You know, taking it off uh, Kubica's car um, would be if it's on Russell's to compare how it went in the race from one car to the other, right? To yeah. see if it's effective. Um, if that happened, yeah, maybe I, they didn't like what they saw in practice. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, wouldn't he have broken the wing like five minutes later? I get unless he was driving with the with the wing in mind or something. I think that was what he was alluding to. Maybe that like. He said the the car was in a bad state. The problem he had was when he left the pits. Yeah, one of the things. So, but who knows? Maybe he just had built up a head of steam about that particular issue, and then it became part of his reasonings. That or or you know what? Maybe it was that they sent they sent him out. They sent him out angry, like like he was frustrated and angry with what they had done with the car, and then he had to go do qualifying, and he pushed it a little bit too hard as a result of that. Like. And, and and crashed who knows but oh, i didn't realize uh, this sorry uh from that same article the conditions he says uh were tough and on top of that in qualifying i had a different power steering on friday so the feeling on the steering wheel was completely different i was convinced that i would make this corner without problems but suddenly i ran off the road that's it right i mean that maybe that explains his uh radio message i mean what a weird couple of races he had with the whole getting pulled out of the last race after russell's crash and you know, I bet he can't wait to see the back of them. 
It's so strange that Russell's outperformed him practically every race, but he's still behind him in the driver's championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if he's getting the fairest shake in the in the garage as well. Man, Rob's Rob's uh, tenure at Kub- Kubica Watts has been has been difficult. I think we need to I'm, I'm there, has buy been, you a there has been there has been rather less season, to Rob. see than I, I than I hoped. <laughs> yeah, and all and what has been viewable has been difficult to watch. Poor Bobby. Well, should we view some emails, Danny? Sure. Let's view some emails. You can help us view your emails by going to f1.cool slash emails or emailing us at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. Gmail.com. I'm going to read this first one. It's from Sam, um, and it's about the uh, officiating at Suzuka. And Sam... Sam's in the know. Sam's not just... Sam's not just somebody who has a podcast a popular internet podcast about Formula One. Very um, popular. He's got, he's got the paperwork uh, behind it. Uh, Sam says, I'm sure you've gotten a pretty substantial number uh, uh, of emails about this. We did, Sam, you're correct. Uh, once again, uh, I'm an officially designated controversial officiating Grand Prix, but I wanted to <laughs> chime in, uh, in uh, with a bit of perspective. At a previous stage of my life, I was a national level certified SCCA marshal with a permit to work kart races. Uh, that's C-A-R-T, capital letters, car races, not K-A-R-T. Um, as well as several other semi-pro series, plus amateur stuff. And I have to chime in that I think FIA Marshalls completely dropped the ball on Leclerc's damaged car. Marshalls have a flag specifically for a damaged car and dangerous car. The meatball, red circle on black background. While I do not know how the FIA manages flag calls, the dragging front wing on Leclerc's car is a textbook case for the deployment of a mechanical flag. Everyone has seen uh, what these wings, uh, sorry, that these wings are delicate and prone to sudden catastrophic disassembly when damaged. Watching the onboards, I cannot see that this wag was ever displayed to Leclerc, and that is a flaw in the management of the race. Leclerc cannot see the damaged wing, fair enough, but he absolutely should not have ignored his radioed command to pit. He should have been properly shown a mechanical lap on lap one. Uh, the marshal would then be justified in either giving him uh, one more opportunity to pit or simply black fagging him at that corner. I should know I've done both. As you might expect, the drivers were unhappy. Uh, instead, the FAI seems to have hesitated just endangering everyone, uh, sorry, every other driver on the track. Hamilton could easily have been seriously injured or killed by the debris that took his front wing, and Norris's race was compromised due to debris damages as well. All of that could have been avoided with firm and sensible marshalling, which we seem to be lacking in these new Let Them Fight uh, Liberation Days of 29F1 season. Uh, so thanks for that, Sam. And um, I also had someone, I, I did have a bunch of people email, or we did have a bunch of people email in about this um also people making note that it was dangerous for the spectators as well if there's ever that type of debris this this track has a decent amount of runoff but uh, around the circuit but you could certainly see in a place like monaco or you know where they're a little bit tighter in places like canada where it's like that could be a lot more dangerous um catch fencing is there for for a reason so yeah i mean this email might have been sent in prior to the actual hammer coming down post-race but you know ultimately that didn't really help hamilton well, yeah and when it's else. for safety it you, it needs to be of the moment right i think Especially, i think sam nailed it here and and safety is on everyone's minds during because of the typhoon because of saturday and also because we've you know had a fatality at this circuit in the past five years so it's yeah i, d- I did find it particularly strange um as well that whole thing uh drew do you want to read this one from michael 
Yes, do you guys think Vettel keeps his spot on the cover of the F1 game, or does he lose it to Leclerc or Botas? I, do think, yeah, I don't do think, think? Uh, Botas, because uh, you got to have, I think it's one per team. I think having two drivers from the same team uh, would, would be weird. So we uh, think Hamilton's a lock, do you think? So I think Hamilton's a lock because he's going to win this driver's championship. Let's okay. be real. Um, I do think Vettel loses it to Leclerc. I think Leclerc is uh, the, the, the hotness. Yeah. For the, do you think Lando gets on because of all his video game shenanigans? <laughs> I think that'd be a, that'd be a fun, like when you, when you take the cover out of the sleeve and you unfold it, Lando is there wearing his like, uh, <laughs> Valentino Rossi sailor cap. What uh, of the, the things um, that makes me, uh, that I quite like about these sports games specifically, uh, and I'm not really sure if it, it's the case over here, maybe so much, but uh, in Europe, it's quite like, uh, it changes country to country. A lot of these oh, covers do. Okay. So like, especially FIFA also, FIFA often has, you know, maybe a more recognizable player in America than it might have in Europe. And also, you know, pro evolution and stuff like that would change per country based on the domestic leagues and stuff. So I did some searching for other, um, for the covers in F1 2019. Um, on the box, I believe. Uh, is Stroll front and center for Canada? I don't know about Canada, but Kvyat is on with Hamilton for the Russian release. Really? Yeah. Um, and also, and I'm not sure if it's on the game itself, but I saw promotional images in Poland that had Robert Kvitsa on for <laughs> <Yeah>. Hamilton, <laughs> which is quite badass, I thought. Um, uh, yeah, what, Rob, who do you think should be on the on the cover? Say there's four drivers next year. Mm. Who do you think should be on? Uh, with that interview, not not Valtteri. Uh, like <laughs> Valtteri, you need to give people a little more if you, if you want to be a cover athlete. Uh, you can't you can't win you can't win Suzuka and like clinch the championship for your team and be like yeah it was a good day. <laughs> gotta give us a little more. Uh, yeah, it's it's got to be Hamilton. Uh, it's it's got to be Max. Uh, after that, it does get a little murkier. I think it'll still be Vettel. I like my gut feeling is they've done this by team and points finish. And right. You didn't just to sidestep any controversy. Yeah, I think that's lar- I, I feel like that's kind of been there. Uh, that that's sort of been their strategy. So, well, if things hold, then it will be uh, Leclerc. Yeah, Leclerc, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it. I think that's the track we're going to be on. Uh, it's 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 going to be Leclerc, and then it will probably. Yeah, it probably will be uh, Carlos. And signs. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I would not see him there. I think another fan favorite would be easy to put Ricardo on there. Yeah. Damaged stock at this point. <laughs> like, I'm sure it'll sit like, yeah, that that's the, that's the, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand cover, uh, for the, for that market, but <laughs> yeah. the oceanic territories, <laughs> especially if they, if they get their points stripped and the last of the late breakers turns <laughs> out to have been the last of the late placers. Yeah. Uh, Rob, do you want to read this next email? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Graydon, uh, Justice for Leclerc, Gordian, writes, 
Hey guys, on a recent podcast, I think y'all joked about Danny getting a custom blah, license plate. So I'm at the Petit Le Mans outside Atlanta this weekend. Very fun. The IMSA primer was a big help in understanding. Thanks for that. And what do I find? I could barely believe it. Had to share. And here's a picture of a North Carolina license plate. Blah. <laughs> With an exclamation point at wow. the yeah. end. I, wasn't, I, didn't I didn't know, know you get that regulations. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe somebody added that one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's this one is a BW. Is it four A's and an H? So it's, mm-hmm. it's is it is it like is it bois or is it like bois? Yeah, I think once you put the exclam- exclamation point, like I, I, I wonder, is it even is it even meant like bois, or is it like is this a musician? Is somebody <laughs> yeah. who who like to them? That's a, that like oh I love that chord. When you have a good <laughs> blah in a trailer, that's my favorite sound. Uh, we, we should probably also mention that with, we got a couple of tweets from people um, with their custom license plates. Um, shout out to to Matt O'Day who sent us uh, his license plate, which is a California license plate, the same color style that I was joking or talking uh-huh. about getting. Who literally has BW. O A H and seven, which is Kimmy's number. So he has <laughs> literally done it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I might be stealing Matt's thunder or just being a, a, a terrible copycat if I if I went for it. Um, we also got a, a Joe uh, Cariotti um, who listens to the podcast sent us a, a video, and he has two custom plates. Um, the first one is Pwn Noobs P W N O O B S. Um, and the other one is or AD, sorry, or AD space AF. So I guess if you're going to live that like custom plate life, you got to go all in. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Um, Regarding the exclamation point, I don't think Kimi Raikkonen has ever typed <laughs> or said an exclamation point in his life. Can, do you think I can fit? I was having a shit. I was taking a shit. Do you think I can get fit that on? Take out all the vowels and maybe. I-W-S-T-K. Yeah, maybe not. Um, this next one comes in from Peter. Uh, and Peter is in Austria. I live in Graz, Austria. Graz is the capital of the province Stry... Stry- Styria. Styria. Not Syria. Styria where the Red Bull Ring is located, and the Austrian Grand Prix takes place every year. Because Red Bull Ring is only an hour's drive away from Graz, there is a lot of stuff happening here on race weekends. There is a tram car in Red Bull F1 car design. Uh, Max Verstappen drove his F1 car through parts of the historic town uh, last year. There is a Red Bull F1 car parked in the town square for a few days prior to the GP weekend, guarded by a mean-looking security guard. Um... (laughs) But best of all, we have our very own AlphaTauri store. Oh, good. Um, and uh, pictures of all this stuff has been have been included in the email. Um, it looks like a a beautiful a beautiful shop. Um, he says, I've been listener since the very first episode. Keep up the great work. Wow. Um, he also said, uh, my cousin is Jochen, uh, who is named after, you guessed it, Jochen Rint, the Austrian race driver, um, <laughs> F1 champion, uh, Le Mans winner. Uh, my cousin was born a few years after Rint's death, and my uncle was a pretty big Rint fan at the time. So it's uh, F1 pumping through the Austrian people's veins, it seems. Uh, uh, next email is from... Oh boy, here's where we, just, here's where we hit the limits of my uh, ability to handle <laughs> Dutch names. 
Uh, Hub van Ort writes... Nice, uh, okay. One of Mac's sponsors is a Dutch supermarket called Jumbo. They organized the Jumbo Racing Days, uh, started out as Max Verstappen Family Days. You get tickets by shopping in these supermarkets and buying stuff like loads of Red Bull or other mm. brands they try to market like soap or expensive toilet paper. Gotta market that expensive <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> hey, uh, that's nothing to skimp on, man. Uh, but no, I'm not, like, I, like, no, this isn't just the premium. I'm imagining something like even above like the softest <laughs> cottonelle, like, no, Gold no, flake. no, only this. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, it is, if you go to the circuit Zandvoort, uh, Netherlands website and look up Jumbo Rostagen, uh, you will, you will find, uh, information about this but it does mean that max and uh, pierre gasly drove a demo there this year and of course ricardo was there in 2018 with david coulthard uh max also drove there in 2016 and 2017 so all those guys have driven f1 cars at zandvoort there you go interesting to see if they have any uh, advantage over everyone else or if they just have a lot of expensive toilet paper at home i guess my like i don't i suspect doing a few practice laps doesn't tell you shit like a, de- a demo <laughs> like that like because the imagine the consequence of like binning the car at the uh, right, yeah. jumbo rostagen <laughs> in at, at zandvoort right like you crash into the toilet paper barrier and just completely <laughs> wreck it, and now you now the, now the mechanics have to fix it. No, uh, my, my my guess though is, I would wonder if the younger drivers maybe will have an advantage because they will probably immediately load this shit into their yep. race sims of choice and begin yep. uh, getting with that track well in advance of a lot of the more senior drivers i don't think will have will have encountered it right yeah you can you can get it on irising right now mm-hmm. nice all right should i take this last one here do it this one's for you actually uh all right uh sam says hey there just finishing uh listening to your uh japanese grand prix pre-race pod and at one point one of you mentioned that on f1 tv while using the onboard feature, you can't sync broadcast audio. You actually can! Click the little headphone button, and there are selections for English, French, Dutch, German, and Spanish broadcast, as well as the team radio. Hope this is helpful. Uh, I am going to try this right now. Yeah, because I, I didn't notice this myself during um, the race, but I, I have also, like, multiple times been befuddled by the UI on F1 TV. So, um... I watched like Hopefully a quarter the of the race just looking at the data. Uh, oh my page. god, we, we I had felt a fantastic. Like I, see, I saw the matrix. I, <laughs> like I said, we get so many emails every week, and I read every one of them. Thank you all for sending them in. I'm sorry we don't get to all of them. There was one that was somebody who managed to sync up three separate. I think they had a laptop, the television, and maybe their phone, and they said that they had like multiple. They had the like live screen, but the problem was you have to sync it at the start. You have to hit pl- press play on both and get them get them both up, and it means you can't pause at any stage unless you got to resync all over again. So right. fair play, good commitment. But you can log on on two machines, F one TV, um, to do that, or I guess to do anything. <laughs> any joy, Drew? Trying. This is our uh, this is real yes. science. Okay. I am 
watching Danny Rick's race about halfway through. And I, uh, yeah, clicked the headphone, and now I hear Crofty awesome. talking about uh, Lewis Hamilton. Okay. Shame it doesn't, def- I guess it's just reloading the page. It's not actually changing feed in the app, so it doesn't know what you're listening to. So I guess that's why it doesn't default, because if you're listening in French, then it would be an awful UI case if you clicked on that and it popped up in English, but it's a bit of a shame. Like other systems I know, like UFC, for instance, had a multiple camera thing. I'm not sure if they still do, but years ago when I used to um, do the pay-per-views, they'd swap, but that was all within the same app. So they knew what you were doing and where you were coming from and they could retain audio and stuff. So I guess, yeah, sorry. I used to build websites with video on them. So it's (laughs) interesting to me. Oh my God, that data screen is wild. It's a lot. Yeah, it's weird that you can't, I mean, it's strange that when you pull up the data screen, it's basically a, a like a video feed. It's not JavaScript right. or something. Like I want to watch the the race and put the data below it. But you're right. I think the only way to do that currently is to load up, you know, a second monitor or uh, you know a, a a private tab in another window. Uh, yeah. But they're yeah. they're they're I guess they're coming along on this. You know. All right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Sam. Uh, let's take a dip into Fantasyland for a second Ooh. here. Um, we've got the top five finishers in our Shift F1 Fantasy League, which you can join uh, by following the link in the show notes. Um, Japan, uh, tied for fourth place, we've got Better, Stronger, Faster, and Shoei. Uh, and in third place, WRC is more competitive. <laughs> Uh, and then tied for first, uh, Vegeta GT or Vegeta GT. There's two T's there. Mm. Um, and uh, also tied for first place, Dr. Vettel and Mr. Signs. That's good. That's, That's good. Really I like str- that That's strong. a lot. Yeah, I like that. Uh, overall uh, points leaders, however, in the Shift F1 official league, number five, St. Jovese Racing Team. Number four, Jacked Up Racing, which I think is mm-hmm. new to the top five here. Uh, we got Dragon Ball GT in third place. Second is Boah to the Future Part 3. And uh, still in first, only only 16 points ahead, however, of second, Rich Volt F1 Energy Team Paintwork Pending. Uh, yeah, so that's us around the internet. Shall we take it around the world, Denny? It's time to race around the world. Yeah. Well, we got the NASCAR Xfinity Series at the Kansas Speedway for the Kansas Lottery 300. Uh, MotoGP is at the Twin Ring Motegi in Oume, Haga District, Tochichi, Tochigi Prefecture. Quality Japan. Uh, the NHRA is in uh, Ennis, Texas for the AAA Texas Fall Nationals. And we got NASCAR. Oh my. They're also at the Kansas Speedway for a playoff round called the Hollywood Casino 400. Wait, where is that on? Kansas. Okay. You know, <laughs> Hollywood. Sure. Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood, Kansas. Okay, we got the we got the casino and the lottery happening in Kansas, uh, but Hollywood because uh, NASCAR goes Hollywood. Yeah, 
uh, this week in the F1, Shift F1 Patreon. Uh, I also watched the uh, the making of special on YouTube oh, wow. for Days of Thunder, and it starts with the most 90s intro graphics that just, it flashes NASCAR goes Hollywood, like those three words, like all over oh, the place wow. in different fonts. It's just freaking weird. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, not, a, not a lot of racing this weekend. Two NASCAR uh, championships, MotoGP and NHRA. That's it. We're winding down. Mm. But uh, there's too many leaves on the track this time of year. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> and the cars change color. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's it. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Don't have a race this weekend. We will be back uh, next week for the pre-Mexican Grand Prix episode. Uh, and again, we will have, uh, I believe on Friday, we're posting uh, that Days of Thunder episode so stay tuned for that anything else uh rob nope uh just kind of bittersweet here's the here's the racing around the world tapers off as we enter fall uh it does it does mean that uh you know as the leaves are falling and the ferraris fall through the (laughs) fall from their (laughs) qualifying place down through the grid uh we are nearing the end of our magical f1 journey and danny yeah, I, I you know we're we're into the last quarter now, so the last season, as it were, of F one. Uh, but we were talking about like you know what we're going to do for our upcoming Patreon podcasts and looking towards other racing series. And you reminded us that Formula E is just always around the corner. That's right. This time of year, it's you know one one door closes and another opens. That's right. They start in uh, November. Stay tuned for that. Uh, All right, that's it for us. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.